Welcome to Night Light. Step away from the mainstream and gather around as we enlighten the world and our realities and travel this cosmic journey we call life. Join us as we share with you and provide that beacon that can guide us all to a better way. Explore with us as we examine a metaphysical montage of spiritual insights covering everything from the mundane to the magical, UFOs to unicorns, and everything in between. This is a time of awakening, of sharing and evolving, of spreading our wings and soaring on the cosmic breath of creation. Come and join with other light-minded spirits as we weave our lights together to seek understanding, enlightenment, and with a little luck, some wisdom. This is Nightlight, a reminder that you are never alone. Welcome to Nightlight, everybody. So glad you could share your evening with us. We really appreciate your time and your insight and your energy when you listen to all of the wonderful guests that we have on the air. want to thank Ken Quiethawk for his amazing intro. You can find him and his wife, Deb, on the Internet. Just look for Native Storytellers or Ken Quiethawk, and you'll find him, and you will discover an amazing method of of conveying history and cosmology that has come down through time that is really uh, a lost art and a lost gift. There are some out there, but there aren't a lot of them left. So check out Native Storytellers. It's a very amazing way of preserving history. Mark has a great guest on tonight. It's a topic that I'm very interested in. So um, I have my sleeves rolled up, my paper and pencil ready at the at the side here, and I'm looking forward to this show. So, Mark, show is all yours. Hey, thanks, Barbara. How's how's uh, everything in the uh, Northeast? This is my Connecticut Hermitage, and it's just fine. Yeah. I'm 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 okay. celebrating my third week of being a hermit. Okay. Well, ho- hopefully this is going to end quickly and we can get back on with our lives. But in- anyhow, uh, yeah, yeah. Until until then, you know, we're just glad to have uh, you know, people uh, gather around the radio and computer and uh, listen to our shows. And uh, uh, tonight's uh, really you know, big honor uh, to have our guest with us. Uh, you, you know, we've uh, covered the Lost Continent of Moo with uh, Merle Fankhauser. He even went in depth about how Colonel James Churchward's books influenced him to move to Hawaii, create a band named Moo, and write many songs about Moo's uh, history and uh, legacy. Uh, we have another show at the end of the month that will be um, uh, touching upon 
uh, Moo. So, so connecting both of those shows is Colonel Churchward's great grandson, Jack Churchward. How how cool is that? Uh, and Jack very, grew up very. in Clear. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jack grew up in Clearwater, Florida. Is a Navy veteran. Has forty years experience in the aerospace and defense industries, having worked on manned and unmanned space and military uh, platforms. Um, Jack is an engineer and patent holder. He has revised some of Colonel Churchward's publications and authored his own books, and he does his own podcasts and videos on his website, mymoo.com. That's my hyphen com. Welcome, Jack. How are you? Good evening. I'm just fine. Yeah, I've uh, been looking forward to this show for, what, two, three months now. It, uh, you know, we're going to be looking at uh, you know, two, two books uh, tonight. But you, you have other uh, books you've written, but uh, your primary focus is uh, lifting the veil on the lost continent of Mu, the motherland of men, and crossing the sands of time. So, and both of them are you know, very interesting books on, um, you know, the uh, what. What should we say? Uh, like the 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 fabled land of Mu, but you know there there is evidence. So I, I don't know. Maybe it's more of a reality. But you know the listeners are going to find out uh, over the the next two hours, and they can make it, make up their own minds. But um, Jack, your uh, great grandfather was. Born in England, but he got his education about Mu while in India. Okay, can you give us a little biographical information on James? How does he go from England to India? Well, um, from the records I've seen, he was a, a cashier in London when he married my great-grandmother, who had inherited some tea plantations in Sri Lanka and they moved to Sri Lanka and they opened up uh, or he started to work on the tea plantations there. Subsequently, after they left Sri Lanka and he headed off across the Pacific and she headed off in the other direction, he uh, waited some years to, to write some stories in the late 20s, about what he said that he found while he was in, uh, he said he was in India, but he was in Sri Lanka that whole time. He said that he had was a member of the Bengal Lancers and was involved in famine relief. And 
as a result on one sojourn out to visit the different temples. He became interested in the symbols on the side of the temple and developed a friendship with the what he called a rishi and spent some time with him and the rishi spent some years according to James account teaching him what the the various symbols meant and then eventually after a while they became uh, very close and the rishi brought out some ancient clay tablets from hidden deep in the temple and they he he finally confessed that he was a member of the Nikal Brotherhood and that these tablets had been stored in the temple for the last 10,000 or 15,000 years. And he and his brother were the only ones who were still alive and in the Nikal Brotherhood. And he translated some of the tablets with my great-grandfather, but not all of them. And so from this knowledge that he gained from the translation of the tablets. My great-grandfather wrote the the books on the lost continent of Mu, sacred symbols of Mu, uh, forces of Mu, children of Mu, um, in between 1926 and uh, 1930s, in the early 1930s, yes. Yeah, uh, that's, but that says everything except what Mu was. So um, the story he told was of this enormous continent in the uh-huh. in the middle of the Pacific Ocean, and how everybody in in the world was born and born there, and from there they spread civilization around the the world until twelve thousand, or sometimes you read fifteen thousand years ago, the continent sunk all in one day. And everybody perished, except for the people that had left Mu, and gone on to the other continents. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The uh, yeah, that's really interesting. Tablets. Um, yeah, Barbara and I have this like fascination with the. Tablet and you get Alex Kianetti with us about the tower from uh, the Teos Cave, Ecuador, and Joseph Smith um, found the tablets at Hill Kumara and all the Sumerian with cuneiform writing. Get you know, some of the Adena tablets with uh, you know, these hieroglyphs used to print on skeletons. Were, were these uh, Nicole tablets you know, like one of the few written records uh, you know, Preserved for what you said, ten to fifty thousand years from uh, uh, Mu. That's what my great grandfather wrote. Yes, that they yeah, it, the it, tablets it, he saw started to tell this this creation story and and how the different cosmic forces created the world and whatnot. 
it's really interesting and it's fascinating that uh, in order to the um, you know the would be to uh, you know learn the secrets of the ancient Mark seems to be breaking up just a little bit here. Yes. Are you still there, Jack? <laughs> I'm here. Okay. Okay. Now, do you want me on the phone? Yeah, call in on the phone, Mark. That's that's much better. Um, Mu has been, for the longest time, one of the most fascinating um, subjects for me because you know, theoretically, there were just the two main continents, and there was Mu, and there was Atlantis, and and Mu has always had such a mystery connected to it. The the Atlantis one, you know, they got tons of stuff, but the Mu one, it feels much more ancient. And and your grandfather seems to have, you know, lucked in on having someone who can translate tablets or or whatever. Have you? gone back and gone over his records and do you concur with everything he said? Absolutely not. Fantastic. What do you disagree on? Well, um, uh, maybe I should start with the stuff I do agree with and that is that we're all related. Yeah. The humankind is all related. But as far okay. as the a civilization that went around and spread civilization to all the lesser peoples, I think mm-hmm. is is not proven through scientific evidence. I don't believe that it's 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 real that somehow some advanced civilization arose and then spread itself out. I think enough evidence has been uh, demonstrated to indicate that all most civilizations or all civilizations may have been influenced by another one, but not that there was well, one master civilization. Don't you kind of think that every civilization that gets to a certain point thinks they they are the master civilization and they created everything? And, and you know I'm that not... old adage of the, the old adage of um, you know history belongs to the survivors and stuff like that. Well, that might be true, but if you if you look at the different civilizations, how how could, um, for instance, a uh, a grain based civilization in Europe bring uh, their civilization to, uh, for instance, Asia, where they're uh-huh. based on a rice, and it just it just doesn't. There's not enough evidence. There's no evidence to indicate that there was a master civilization that went out and taught everybody else how to be civilized, which is, in essence, what my great-grandfather wrote about. Wow. I mean, it denies those people the opportunity for their own history, for their own accomplishments, and somehow uh pointing at something in, you know, the dark past that 
somebody else gave to them rather than allowing them the opportunity to to enjoy the fruits of their ancestors' uh, labors. Oh, absolutely. No, I agree with you. Um, it just always amazes me how so many so many times you hear the stories about, you know, this master race or that master race or these aliens, you know, gave us this material and, and therefore, you know, it does diminish the the um the the tenacity that the human spirit has in order to survive anything and to overcome anything because we do. Sooner or Absolutely. later we're gonna figure it out. <laughs> Are you back, Mark? I am here. Okay. Uh, hopefully, that's just a that was just an indication of the severe weather in the area. But, Probably. No. Um, but it. Um, it Jack, I think uh, before I had to uh, hang up, I, I was just starting to ask about um, you know. With the uh, tablets, um, you, you know, your great grandfather was you know, an outsider coming into this, you know, religious, uh, you know, a uh, uh, foreign land, you know, a religious community, um, and he he, he uh, must have been uh, trusted to. Um, work with the uh, rishis to learn how to translate the tablets. Uh, you, you, what were you know, J- James's uh, characteristics like? You know, you, have you been able to profile him a little bit and see if he was you know, just a, a very likable uh, gentleman? Well, there's an anecdotal information that indicates that uh, he he very much liked women and was uh, very friendly with uh, very many people. He corresponded with uh, lots of people from from what I've seen from his letters, and I do have some of those that I've I've managed to get a hold of. But as far as as being a A friend of the Rishi, and those are that's what he wrote. And I have to make clear that um, I don't really. He he was a bank cashier before he went to become a tea planter. And the only record I have of him visiting India was one time that he went to try to pay back a loan and. Unfortunately, on his return, he was thrown in jail and eventually escaped across the Pacific Ocean. The stories of the Rishi, I don't believe. I mean, it doesn't make any sense that he waited 60 years to tell anybody about it, didn't write down anything then when he first saw them, had no pictures taken, didn't even try to draw him. And he was, as many people have noted, he is uh, was an artist. And he could have written down or copied what he saw on those tablets easily. And he waited 60 years and then wrote books about them. 
Okay. So, you know, that was one of the other questions I wanted to get into is, um, you know, you do have an extensive appendix. You know, you know, you have revised his books and added more of the, uh, you know, where James got his uh, source material and added information um, at the end of the chapters. But, you know, you also have uh, other disagreements with him, you know, you know for, for being uh, a family member and heir to his, his uh, library, um, you know, you're not um, automatically siding with everything James wrote. Uh, you do have some uh, disagreements um you, you know what are a couple of the uh, m- most prominent uh aspects of James's writing you disagree with i believe i mentioned earlier that the one thing i do believe he said is everybody came from the same we're all related we're all one big human family right past that um it uh, it pegs out the bs meter sometimes okay um i mean for instance the uh the thought that a master race uh, which james identified as a bunch of white people left the 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 lost the, the continent of mu and sailed around the world and spread civilization We've got a you got a problem there, in that if everybody came from the lost continent of Mu, why would they need to go and spread civilization to these people that were already from the civilized location? Um, it it just it just and well he also goes on and talks about how the Mongols attacked Central Asia. Uh, Central Asia, I'm sorry, attacked uh, Central America and took over the Mayans, who he says were a white people, and the Mongols came and wiped them out, and that's who's living there now. And built the white people built the pyramids, and the Mongols came and took over the took over the white people's stuff, and off they sailed and and uh, inhabited Atlantis and and went around the world, and I just. I just find that incredible. Uh, for instance, how how did the Mongols get there? Uh, their, if you look at their history, the uh, 13th and 14th century and beyond, they were uh, a great power. But 10,000 years earlier, I I can't see how they made a trip from Asia to Central America. I mean, did they all? go through the Bering Strait or did they all get on boats and then after that big journey why how did they have enough energy and whatnot to to take over another entire civilization I mean some of it is just outrageous when you just look at it 
Okay. And in your Sands of Time uh, book, um, one author uh, called James's uh, writings, let's find the exact quote, uh, escapist literature during the uh, Great Depression. But yeah, there. Actually, I, I wrote that. Oh, okay. I'm I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, there there it is, right on page ninety-four. Um, yeah. Um, it's yeah. You know, there could be, be an element of escapist literature, but you know, there are are also some. Uh, of James's facts that seem to have been uh, uh, proven over the last uh, ninety years, like uh, like the uh, Egyptian civilization is uh, based on uh, the the Mayans. Uh, you know, there was uh, co- cocaine found in some of the mummies. Uh, cocaine's not grown in, or the cocoa plants not grown in uh, Egypt. So was it you know, being uh, shipped across the Atlantic? Well, it's, it seems like James had uh, some. Uh, Outrageous ideas, but you know they've been proven to be, uh, you know, possibly correct. Okay. I'm, I'm not sure that the, uh, for instance, they also found nicotine, but I'm not sure that it was. Uh, it could have been a different type of tobacco or something that was not known at the time and has since gone away or the the derivative chemicals that they did for the um, cocaine testing could have been something from another plant that already existed i'm i i'm not an expert on that type of on that literature no i just i i, I forget where i read we just, it we, well, we just haven't found. Times. Did, did we? Has anybody found uh, their cities? I mean, obviously they would have had to set up some kind of port or something, right? Some mm-hmm. uh, structures that would have uh, that they could, you know, ride up and grab whatever they were grabbing from the, the new world and and go back. They'd obviously have to have something there that established something and I'm not sure that that we that that has been found that indicates a uh, link with Egypt or any of the uh, Levant cultures oh, it's, um, I think did, I think there were ports in Alexandria but uh, I yeah I, I I don't know about ports in uh, uh, Central and South America. It's uh, you know, just 
you know, it is interesting that you know you do disagree with, with James and you know so, so some of those other uh, you know dates that from like deep antiquity that are mentioned in his book and um, you know you even well or, you know you paraphrase or well, not paraphrase uh, cover. Uh, Edgar Casey's uh, uh, reading that in around uh, 50,000 BC there was a global uh, uh, meeting that happened, and you know some of those dates are really going way back in time. But, you know, there are a couple of these, like, you know, the Bosnian Pyramid, if that is real, and uh, uh, when the Sphinx was, after the Sphinx was built, uh, it it must have been laying in water because of the the horizontal water erosion, and, you know, that happened tens of thousands of of years ago. yeah, you know, there it is that little bit of evidence we have today that doesn't make those um, uh, statements from ninety years ago from either James or Edgar Casey uh, seem. It's kind of in the ballpark. Yeah, it does seem a little out there, but there seems to be just a little bit of truth to it. Uh, Gunong uh, Padang is another place that has like a a 20,000 B.C. um, date uh, attached to it. It's just interesting that Well, you mentioned Edgar Casey. Mm-hmm. Well, you mentioned Edgar Casey, and sure. the fact that he said that people from Atlantis and the Uyghur Empire, and he he lists several people or several peoples in there that all met mm-hmm. together to discuss the problem dinosaurs, mm-hmm. to discuss the problem of dinosaurs attacking the human settlements. Well, I'm not sure that anybody has found evidence of dinosaurs existing into the, uh, um, that recent an age. And if you look at, for instance, my great-grandfather's theories on the great Uyghur Empire, I ed- endeavored in my book to indicate the sources of his data, which is essentially a a newspaper article from a yellow journal from a yellow journalism uh that he found and and just changed it a little bit and put it in his books uh it has absolutely zero resemblance to the great uyghur empire that was in the ninth century in central asia but his 
is what they said it was his great Uyghur empire is 17,000 years old mm-hmm. at at the height of of their civilization and and was formed 50,000 years earlier it just that's there's no archaeological evidence scientific evidence of any kind that indicates that that happened yeah that's in 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 the crossing this in my book crossing the sands of time i i went go through the the archaeological evidence that we have if there was an advanced civilization we would have found it already there the foundations of their civilization because well, it was just released earlier this uh this week they found evidence of the houses that the people uh, built out of mastodon bones and skins, the little hovels that they made. They found evidence of those, the the fact that people were living there. If supposedly the great civilization had built these uh, monuments to their to their culture and their civilization, we should have also seen those if we can see the the small little huts or hovels that they made out of mastodon bones and skin. It's, it, it, it's, it, it is interesting that you know, you've taken uh, the time to uh, make some corrections to his James's works, I, I could do. Re- well, in in my book, re- really I, I provide. I, I I provide his text as it. I didn't modify his texts at all. All I did was add add my my notes and the mm-hmm. appendices and the index. But I I I'm not scared by re- allowing the reproduction of his material if you look at his material and gauge it against what i provided and still believe in in james church ward's theories then more power to you but i think i've demonstrated that some of it is um off the bs scale <laughs> and, and it- how did you, you 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 know you have uh, a you know, the name recognition of your great grandfather you, you what propelled you to want to uh work with his uh, writings, you know, like you said, uh, pro- provide an appendix of uh, you know, modern information. You know, were you always fascinated by uh, his works, or is this some, something you wanted to do later in life? Well, when I was when I was a, a kid, uh, people would ask all the time about it, and I would go to my father. And and ask him, and he told me it was off the BS scale as well, and not just he wouldn't have a book around. Uh, he was not. He knew my 
great-grandmother. They had stayed in the same house together, very well acquainted, and he knew what my great-grandmother thought of my great-grandfather, and that was not very, it was not very highly at all. In fact, I don't even think they mentioned his name ever. And so when I got older and I got the domain churchward.com and I became, I got inundated with emails asking me questions. And I would answer the questions just like my father would. And eventually I came to the point where why don't I just look at it and take the time and and decide for myself, present the evidence because, you know, I'm just looking at it. I, I, well, I was always told it was a bunch of baloney, but I didn't have any firsthand knowledge. So I started my website uh, and looking into it. Along the way, I've been told many times that just just agree with what he wrote and you'll make more money. But uh, I can't I can't buy back my dignity. Okay, so. Yeah, you know, there there was like the family had collected all the manuscripts and um, oh no correspondence. My family had okay. nothing. My family had nothing to do with him. So, uh, uh, the church board family went. Well, he he married. Well, he he married another woman. He said other uh, my before he divorced my great grandmother. And lived with uh, three women at the same time. They were all sisters. And one of them had a child. And he calls him nephew, but I'm not sure that's an accurate description of his relationship with uh, Howard Carisey. And he, Howard Carisey was the person that received uh James books uh James correspondence and everything from James uh, when he passed away they lived together in uh, in New York and when at the time of James passing he was in Los Angeles trying to recover from I guess some respiratory difficulties and so okay. what I received as far as uh, his scrapbooks and whatnot were purchased by someone at uh, an estate sale. And they had provided me the opportunity to buy the books and or the scrapbooks and some of his correspondence. And I uh, jumped up and grabbed it. Okay. So it, it, how does that make you feel now? Just it, do you, just you know a little bit more connected to the past or your heritage or just well, something I'm, you feel needs rectified well i i see that i i now know more about about my great grandfather and the the life he led um what kind of person he was i mean he was a showman essentially uh, from his auto, his from his biography that was written by Percy Tate Griffith, he says right in there that originally the story was supposed to be a, a fictional account, 
but that when everybody just were were clamoring and they enjoyed his lectures and they were reading his books he he jumped over the fence and it was no longer uh it was no longer a fictional story it was he was writing it as the truth now i'm not sure that it's my place to to correct the uh to to correct the whatever he wrote but it it enabled me to be able to be consistent and know that yes i'm absolutely sure that most of what he wrote pegs the bs meter and that's and i know that i have information that indicates that and it's no longer i'm just taking my father's word okay so well, let's look at uh some examples of um what James said about uh, Moo. Um, maybe we can start with the location and a little bit about the height of the culture. Well, James' ideas about the lost continent of Moo, it's a ripoff of Lemuria. All he did was move Lemuria over into the Pacific Ocean. And I also in his autobiography, or not not his autobiography, also in his biography, he had the opportunity to meet with uh, Le, Le Plochon on Sunday afternoons and also probably some people from the theosophists. Uh, the spiritual New Age uh, people met in Percy Tate. Griffith's uh, mom's house on Sunday afternoons and discussed these kind of things in the early 1890s and late 1890s. And from that, eventually James came out and, and wrote his books. So as far as his interaction with with other spiritual authors, it, there is a definite link. Okay, d- does... In fact, look... I'll go ahead, Jack. Well, in fact, his brother Albert Churchward was a, a, a Freemason and prolific author in those subjects. He was he was also a, a friend of Le Plogeon, and the two of them sp- uh, spent some time together. From from what from my reading that I've found, but Le Plogeon's work didn't make it into Albert's Churchward's books. But it did make it into James' books. Okay. D- does the really large population of 64 million people have a uh, symbolic function for the theosophists? Not, Not that I'm aware of. Okay, I just uh, it, it was in the book. I was ju- you know, just uh, curious uh, you know, about this uh, census and uh, you know th- th- there's you know the um, ten tribes, but everyone was united under one government. Is that uh, some kind of 
uh, connection with the theosophists too? Well, I'm I'm sure there's elements of theosophy in some of his works. For instance, the the McCall tablets that nobody ever saw, or just like the the Book of Dizen from Madame um, Blavatsky. I mean, they're they're tablets that nobody else ever saw. They just popped up, and now they're a record that everybody's supposed to believe. And I, I at least want to see a copy of at least one of the tablets. And uh, no one's been able to produce them since in, in the ninety years since he wrote the books. Absolutely not. James James was a tea planter in Sri Lanka, or then known as Ceylon. He wasn't a Bengal lancer, and and didn't he didn't spend five years in India learning the ancient Nikal Brotherhood teachings. He was working his tea plantation in Sri Lanka. Uh, uh, this is becoming uh, f- fascinating. <laughs> Got a question. Um, this okay. is very much. Th- this happens with a lot of science fiction authors that people become so entranced by what they're writing that they take it as as law, and they begin to quote the philosophies within it, you know, verbatim. And they don't ever stop to think about could this possibly be real? And and it seems to have happened throughout all of time. If if, if somebody can weave a good enough tale that in, entrances you, people think it's it's the truth, and they don't ever question it reasonably. They just accept it. Um, and and the example I can give you, which is my own personal example. And and nobody has to agree with me, and and I hope I don't offend anybody. But Zachariah Sitchkin and his twelfth planet stuff, I think, is another one of these cases. And 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 it sounds like your grandfather was very much the same way. He gave society an adventure and a mystery and an excitement that entranced them, and they never stopped to think about: Can you prove this? Is there anything that proves it? They just take off and decide to create um, a whole philosophy on based on nothing. Well, my and great-grandfather did went, went one step further, though. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Uh, he, he went one step further in that he attacked scientists that, that disagreed with him. Mm-hmm. Almost every page he would... Um, it's easier to get the the truth out of someone than to snatch the something out of the jaws of an alligator or something. As I think he said a couple times, it's just that he's not uh, telling the story is okay, I guess, um, uh-huh. even though it's fake and whatnot. It's it's a story, but when you go and attack. And you only you only go you attack the real experts, somebody who actually has knowledge about it. 
Yeah. And and you don't provide the other side of the story, which is one reason why I include my great-grandfather's material in my books, because I don't want to be accused of providing a one-sided uh, mm-hmm. approach to the dissemination of the information. I want well, everybody to be able yeah. to look at his and look at the other side of the story and, and make up their own minds. I'm not trying to I'm not trying to sell any snake oil. Well, I think you're pre- presenting a, a good balance. I mean, Blavatsky went into Lemuria and Atlantis in great length, and yet, um, you know, there's no proof of either of them. And mm-hmm. and if you sit down and you look reasonably and sensibly at at the philosophy that's being handed down in a way, I mean, my goodness, I, Atlantis was a culture that was, you know, settled by aliens or reptilians or whatever. And yeah, I, I I think that the human consciousness loves adventure and loves mystery. And if it's written well enough, and if the story is convincing enough, um, they they will buy it. Um, Kincaid's Cave in in um, the Grand Canyon. Yeah, um, Arizona. Arizona. Yeah, I mean. Nobody has seen this stuff, but there was a news report, and it fascinated so many people. There actually is a group that really believes it's there, and and I don't know if it's there or not, but it's a great story. And and I think what you've done is is really good, and I would like to see other people do that to other of some of these fables. I don't want to destroy people's imaginations, but I want them to I want them to understand that that. You do have to question. You do have to see proof. You can't ex- accept stuff, you know, just on someone else's say-so who has a twinkle in their eye and is a great storyteller. I mean, there's enough mm-hmm. weird stuff out there already without making it up. I mean, there is strange stuff out there that you can't explain, but, but there are witnesses and there is evidence. And I think he was probably I, – I have, I have the book – I, I, I'm sorry to say I have not read it yet, but it it does feel to me as though what you're doing is of great service to people because you you know you're giving them the story, you're giving them the legend, and you're also saying consider this before you decide to take off and become a follower. I think that's a great thing. We try harder. <laughs> I'm sorry, Mark. Okay, well, you know, we're talking about uh, you, know, you know the evidence. Um, you know, J- James covers the Moai statues on Easter Island. Uh, it, you know, it's, it seems like uh, an advanced civilization uh, had to be there to en- engineer. Uh, yeah, you know, getting those uh, statues in place and sculpting them. Um, is, but you that... can go on. You can go on the internet today and and see YouTube videos of megalithic cultures that still exist today and move enormous stone blocks. Um, of from one place to another. After quarrying them, they move them and build things 
You can see videos today of how they did it. Mm-hmm. When people say, no, you can, we can't do that today, uh, I'm sorry, they're, they just didn't look hard enough. I understand that they don't want that information or data to be available to disprove whatever their pet theory is, but it it's out there. There's an individual in, I believe, Wisconsin who who moved a pole barn 200 yards. Uh, either he did it by himself or he asked his, his son-in-law or his son to help him, and they moved a pole barn 200 yards by themselves. And uh, Coral Castle was built the same way, secret secret technology done by a uh, uh, petite man. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. But he knows what three. he was doing. Hmm. So, when we look at uh, the Artwork that J- James uh, produced, um, yeah, the lotus flower. Yeah, it seems like it's uh, in a lot of the uh, lit- literature uh, uh, artwork as well. Um, is it, did did he ju- just interpret that to what he he wanted it to be? Um, you know, was he basing that on any anything he saw? Which artwork are we talking about? Um, you know, like you know, with the uh, lotus flower, the uh, sun. Well, the, the, the lotus flower is 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 and I is a Buddhism. If you look, most of the Buddhas are on a lotus flower, mm-hmm. and all the the lotus flower is unique in that it grows out of the muck and comes up out of the water, and it's pure. It's pure white, or whichever color the 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 lotus flower is. So it's it's symbolic of a spiritual awakening. Or spiritual and spiritual cleansing. As far as what he wanted to to think it was, I mean, if if you look at what he thought were ancient items, uh, for instance, uh, belonging to the great Uyghur Empire, most of those are are Buddhists, uh, Buddhist items. Um, for instance, the 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 Dorje, the he calls it a scepter of power. Um, it's it's mm-hmm. a Mahayana religious item that goes along with 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 the bell, and you can see it on tankas, religious paintings. So I, it's his his interpretation might have fit his story quite well, but it has nothing to do with reality. 
Okay, and there, you know, there's also the seven-headed serpent. The artwork that he has in his book is eye-catching. I know that maybe some of that came from his discussions with uh, his theosophist friends, or he discovered it in his reading. A lot of what he had came straight from Le Plongeon, Dr. Augustus Le Plongeon. You can you can pull it straight out of his book, and it's in James, almost word for word. And... Uh, you know, we've had a, a guest on talking about uh, Le Plongeon. Um, he, uh, you know, is like one of those French elitist uh, types in the 19th century. Is that right? No, he was a doctor. Yeah, he yeah he had some. Uh, Barbara, do you remember uh, him from uh, Jason's uh, The Giants book? Um, I don't think so. I, I all I know is what what you know. I keep hearing here is that he was he was it, he feels as though he was very much like um, P.T. Barnum. You know, create a circus and and make money on it type stuff. It doesn't well, it, feel like it he, helped during the uh, it helped during the depression. Well, I'm sure it did. I'm sure it did. Um, and, and you know, I understand people saying to you, just you know, keep the keep the fable going. But yeah, that would be hard today because people today are, I think. While they're still fooled and they still like to, you know, believe in, you know, stuff like this, they are they are more intense as far as, you know, checking things out. Uh, I know that um, he just he he feels to me as though he was not the kind of man you could get close to, but the kind of man that would use you if he could. So, um, the scoundrel, sort of. <laughs> I but, um, I I would I would come to that idea as well. In some instances of of his behavior. <laughs> yeah. I've I've seen I I've seen people like this before, and and you know I I think that what you're doing is is a, is a good service. Um, it's probably getting his 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 um work out there again and yet you're you're cautioning people, you know, be careful. This this isn't quite the truth, but it is a good story to tell around the fireside. It also so. makes some people very 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 angry. Really? Why? Oh, absolutely. I've um I've received those emails uh telling so me what a nasty you? person I am. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. How dare I? Yeah, how, how dare you try to put truth out there alongside, you know, fiction? 
and, and all they have exactly. to do is prove it, and you'll back up. Absolutely. But, yeah, no, I got that. And and so when, you know, if I get a how, if I get a how dare you letter or whatever, I I call right back to the person and say, prove me wrong, please, because if I'm wrong, I want to correct everything that I've done. And they usually just stutter and go away. Because mm-hmm. you know, I'm I'm open. You know, I'm not always right, but I'm never wrong. So you know, it's 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 that kind of a thing. You have to. Um, you, I, I think what you're doing is great. I think the book that you've put together is beautiful, and I think you have mm-hmm. preserved his, you've preserved his fiction, you've preserved his stories, and that's what they are. They're great stories, and he obviously did some research, and he did a little bit lifting here and lifting there and weaving it together, and he obviously made some money on it, which at the time was really important to him. But, but, yes, it was. Um, you know, there there are scoundrels like that out there that that you know have convinced the public that that they know so much more than they do, and it's up it's up to the general public to question and look into it. And if they don't have the time to investigate it and prove it wrong, you're doing them a, a great favor in doing that. But it, well, it I is just have kind to be of honest. It, yeah. At the same time, you know, I, I I think that you probably have a story to tell as well, and and you know, I, I'm I'm not sure just to, you know putting the facts out there. It feels to me as though your philosophy is is worth is worth a book as well. Oh, well, I'm not sure many people would read it, but. Well, you know, when he wrote his stuff initially, he didn't think many people would read it, and it, and it seemed it sounds as though, as it gathered momentum, he got carried away by it. And, and quite often, um, when the truth is out there, people usually, you know, it is. It, it's what do they say? An artist is never recognized in his his own time. Um, put, putting putting your philosophy out there alongside his is kind of it's fun and it's interesting, but but it seems to me that there's great worth in what you have to say as well. I mean, we are one people. We do come from a single source. We have developed independently. We have different cosmologies, We have, which is what makes this earth such a fascinating place because there are so many different ideas as to where we came from, and nobody knows what's true. But it's still true that we're all related, that we're all yeah. one human race. We, it is called the family of man for a reason. Well, it should be men and women, but you know, it's you know, it's we are. <laughs> you know, it's not just men; it's women too. But but we yeah, are. I understand. A family. You know, we are a family. I'm not really a feminist. It just occurred to me that, you know, I'm talking to a whole bunch of men here. But but it we we are a family and and a diverse family and and it's. Like any family, there are relatives you love and there are relatives you don't like and there are relatives that you think are crazy and they probably think you're nuts too. So, I mean, we are that kind of a family. We have a little bit of everything in us. And and I think our, our, our creative stories, and that's what 
just about every culture has our stories because there's no book that says we we didn't come with an owner's manual unfortunately so we've made our own owner's manual up and and, mm-hmm. and some of it is is quite profoundly ridiculous but but it serves its purpose it gives us a platform to grow from i guess but you know i i don't believe um i i believe there was a continent where move was supposed to be but i don't i i think blavatsky was she was crazier than than all get out but she wrote a lot and people take it as almost a bible her books mhm they make you know they make great book, bookends but so that so that there are a lot of people out there and i think every generation has to have their own i don't want to call it prophets but their own their own truth sayers who put the truth out there and and so, and the truth really floats a lot better than a lot of the other stuff does, but it takes time. But I love what you've done. I just think you've got your own stuff out there, and, and, and you've done so much research, you've got a great foundation to talk about your own truth. So are you writing a book? I have yet to, to start the next one, mm-hmm. but I think it's going to be probably uh, a little bit along the lines of... Uh, Human rights. For instance, one reason I I did write, I I I did write. Uh, Crossing the sands of time to to set the record straight about the great Uyghur Empire. Uh-huh. Because there there is so much. Of the. I I've been I've known the Uyghur people and friends with the Uyghur people now since or for 20 over 20 years and when i okay. when somebody came to me and showed me what my great grandfather had had written and how starkly it's different than than the actual true history that that it motivated me to 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 write the book and to try to set the record straight and it's also true that I, I know it's not a, a an exhaustive history, but it's a short history of the Great Uyghur Empire and how the Uyghur people developed, and how they really do not deserve to be under China's Communist Party's thumb right now. What I, in the last two years, uh, even our our State Department, three million people in concentration camps. Uh, somebody had to, to has to, to to do something to to help change the situation. Not only uh, that, but what we saw happen in Hong Kong, how mm-hmm. the people of Taiwan are being neglected because the World Health Organization refuses to acknowledge Taiwan as an independent state. China demands that the world well, – well, they demand everybody treat Taiwan as a province. But the truth is, is that they're not. They're an independent nation. Mm-hmm. I know somebody going to be happened. upset with me about this. but No, I, I, you're right. But, you know, it gets, human rights is a, is a great topic because – Every country in the world is denying human rights in, in so many different ways. 
I mean, look at our look at our constitution. You know, we 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 didn't acknowledge that blacks were even worth a whole person at one point in time. So yeah, three fifths of a person. Yeah. Yes, but I mean, right now they I uh, have that's that's old news though. We we've we've yeah. gone beyond that. I mean that's uh seriously. Oh that happened in the past. And to, to even think that it's something like that could exist in this country today is ridiculous. But it does look I mean, at the homeless people. Our, our look last at all of president? the homeless people. Yeah. And a lot of those a lot of those homeless people do it by their own choice. Yeah, they do. They do, but but you know they have rights as well. And Absolutely. you know, you look around, rights. you you look around the world, and there is an elite an elitist society, and they don't care about anybody else. And and you wonder what humanity is coming to when when we aren't remembering that we're a family. When when we are, I'm better than youing it to to certain people. It's um, it's very strange times that we're coming into, and and I think a book on human rights and and on, um, well, heck, women's rights. You know, you're right. It's in the past. Women didn't get a vote, but we still don't get paid as much as men do. And in many cases, we're better than they are. So, um, you know, there's there's. It, it is time that our society started to recognize the worth of everyone. I taught uh, special yep. education for 25 years, and how my students were treated when they were out in society outraged me horribly. You know, they were they were bullied, they were made fun of, they were, you know, it was horrible. And and society as a whole has forgotten what compassion is, I think. Unless well, I don't think everybody has. has. Well, I, no. I do agree no. that there are some really nasty people out there, but they have freedom of speech, right? Everybody does. But so, 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 so there is that element of human rights and it does need to be addressed, absolutely. But how do you go about doing it? Because almost everywhere you look, you can find some some way that, that humanity is not being treated compassionately. Well, it is my belief that we're the United States is the best system available. Everybody has the same rights where there's no... Unfortunately, there are some egalitarian, or yeah, elite people who believe that they should stay in political office for centuries. I'm sorry, for decades, and they're the only ones who know everything. (laughs) (laughs) But if they could, they would. I just think that um, that once we get rid of those folks. I think one of the Supreme Court judges is actually dead, and they just stuffed her and sat her in the chair. I've heard that. <laughs> but fantastic, fantastic claims need fantastic proof. So. Yeah, that's true. But, but no, I think I think we've got 
we've got the beginnings of it here but but you know how do you how do you for instance change um the uh the term length when they have to vote on it and they don't want to vote themselves out of a job we have to do it so we have to vote out we the people vo- that don't want to yeah put on we have to vote out Yeah, that, that's going to be. It's going to take a little longer, but I, I think you're absolutely right, and I think what you've got to say is very important. And while while your grandfather stuff is fascinating, what you're crusading for is even better. And, and, and Jerry, and you, know, you even have the example that's basically James's. American fairy tales inspired uh, you know, cultural revolution in Turkey. And there's something that came, uh, a positive outcome that came from BS. Well, yes, uh, Ataturk used from from my research uh, that auto took turk used his uh, connection that uh Tepic, his ambassador to mexico found in my great grandfather's books it it allowed him to create a uh a non non secular secular turkey and get away from the religion that had burdened the caliphate for so many uh, centuries and kept everything under, you know, um, a religious rule. Well, um, yeah, say right there on page 89, James Churchward's account of the great Uyghur Empire also helped fuel political change. Oh, it's, 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 even though you know, we've been learning that um, you know, his writings are um, you know, uh, very fanciful, it, it, you know, there was something positive that came at, out of them, and, and what you know, you, you, know, you know, we've talked uh, briefly about and you know it's on your uh, some of your social media uh, uh, pages as well you know you've gotten involved in a lot of human humanitarian uh, activities as well you know you're you know talking about the 25 years uh, that you, you've been involved with, um, you know, one group. You, you know, what differences are you seeing being made as, um, you know, it's just, you know, President Trump did have uh, meetings with um, uh, the North Korea uh, leader. You know, at least some talking has improved uh some situations 
uh, in, in that area. You, uh, you know, I'm just throwing that out as an example. Um, you know, maybe something improved communications are going to happen worldwide uh, as this virus hopefully winds down uh, very quickly. You know, what are some uh, new directions that are happening in human rights? Well, China just got assigned to the Human Rights Commission for the United Nations. I, I, that sounds like a contradiction. <laughs> I'm sorry, it's yeah, funny. It's, no, it's not funny. It's not funny to the to the to the to the individuals that are going that are being persecuted. Oh the, no, it's the churches but... that are being destroyed how... every day. The the how mosques we do that? that are being demolished. We we didn't do it. They paid off somebody to do it, just like they paid off the. Well, let me not say they. Um, just like they influenced the World Health Organization to say that there was no problem with their coronavirus and yeah. and all the lies that they've told. So do, do you think that are, are like days of? Uh, Tiananmen Square uh, coming to an end, or do, it, do you do, do you think that you know the human spirit can overcome the oppressors, and um, everyone can um, be the the way they were uh, meant to be? Well, they're they're wiping out in, an entire culture. I mean, they're they're wiping out the Uyghur culture. For for thousands of years, they've inhabited their lands, and and now they're being thrown in prison camps, in concentration camps. Not only that, they're they're sending them to do forced labor as as slaves in other parts of China. The people that that couldn't go to work, they're grabbing them. They're grabbing Uyghur, my Uyghur friends and pulling them out of the concentration camps and sending them to the factories instead of the regular people who worked in the factories during the viruses. Yep. They're they're tearing down all the churches. They're they're destroying graveyards and cemeteries. They're tearing down the mosques. They're tearing down monasteries and temples. And they lied to us. I, I, they lied to us. They lied to the world to tell them that the the coronavirus, the Chinese Communist Party virus, started in that we, the United States, brought it to them, and we're the originators of it. I mean, I don't know what we can believe from them, but this is getting way off topic. <laughs> but I mean, I think in the future we 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 have to address. The, the fact that they're not they're not in it to help people they're not they're in it for themselves they they don't care if if the rest of the world dies that, that's true and yet you know there are no voices out there saying that they they 
unfortunately, you know, people point out that, you know, they, they have control over so much that is good for the, that, that this country needs, not that's good for us, but that, that this country needs, that, that we have to in some way have a relationship with them. I don't think we need to, but that's just my opinion. Um, it it, it well, is to the point where opinion. we, you know, we rely upon them so much, it's ridiculous. Thanks very much. I'd rather pay more, more for my gas. But, you know, the gas prices, we are now self-dependent there. But for some reason, you know, made in China, you know, was so much cheaper than made in America that everybody thought, let's go cheap. Well, you get what you pay for. Absolutely. And, and, and unfortunately, I, you know, the powers that be, whoever they are, seem to have made choices for us and, and like you said before we have to we have to shift and change those who are making the choices so that um they understand who they represent a couple of years ago i fired everybody in the government on facebook and i thought i'd get all sorts of hate mail and nobody paid any attention to me i mean the letter basically said you're forgetting who you're working for you know i tell you what i i want you, I send you off to, to, you know, the magic land, and suddenly you forget who you're working for and who's paying your salary, and you decide to go into business for yourself, and you forget the people that that you represent. So, and I thought people would, you know, really let me have it. Nobody said anything. It was kind of like, that's yep. scary. I, I couldn't get a rise oh. out of anyone. I mean, it's difficult to imagine someone who's never held a, a a job or started a company or anything, and they've been in public service. They call it public service their whole life, and they're millionaires. Amazing. Or have three houses. I, and and nobody, I just, I don't understand why nobody finds that disgraceful. Well, and, you know, people, I, I, Patrick, my late husband, figured it out once that of the time people serve when they're in office in Washington, that over half their time is spent raising money for their next campaign instead of taking care of business. So um, well, we created, you know, the system somehow. We've got to change it. Well, I'm I'm not against people making money. I think that if somebody has an idea and they work hard, that they should be rewarded. Mm-hmm. But but being in public service and making millions and having a large bank account, several houses, and all that 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 doesn't that doesn't inspire confidence, and in, at least it doesn't inspire my confidence in their abilities to actually think about the people they're supposed to be representing. I, I would love for somebody in power to know what it's like to have to live check to check or, you know, or, or to choose between food and medication or, you know, they don't, they don't understand. I, and, and when they did that, that insurance thing, they weren't using the same plan we were. They had their own special plan for med- medicine. Now, if you're going to pass a bill, you should be, it should apply to you too. That I, just seems I fair. Think her. So it's it's 
I, I think that we're in for I, – I do not think that life will ever be the same again. And I'm really hopeful that we've all learned something from all of this and we can grow from it and make the changes that we need to make because mm-hmm. we sure as heck need to make changes. I'm on but the same page. Time will tell. Jack, do you – I don't know what the right uh, word is. Um, since, since you said you were um, getting – Emails, uh, you know, from from Asia, uh, you know, for friends in Asia. Um, are do, are you like becoming a uh, correspondent? Uh, it's almost like you know you're an ambassador for. American ideals uh, reaching other people. Cool. No, that, 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 <laughs> that, that's just the impression. I, I, uh, I, I'm just I, one I, person. Well, uh, one person can make a difference. I, it, it, you know, just from what you, you know. Yeah, you know, me start as a ripple, you know, so. Yeah. But I, I, um, you know, that's, uh, fine that, uh, you know, we've moved away from, you know, the fairy tale, you know, like, like you said, you know, we got a little off subject, but, uh, you know, maybe we need to, uh, to have a discussion like this to, you know, uh, it, it inspire people to hopefully, you know, stop this elitism that has been going on for way too long, and it's and it's not working for um, the the people, you know. Um, I, I I think you know with, with the situation going on now with the plague, I, you know, uh, we need to have this talk. Well, I believe that we need to to reassess our interactions with the People's Republic of China, controlled by the Chinese Communist Party. That's a good start. Well, and it, also get them to pay for what they've done to us and the rest of the world. They owe it mm-hmm. to us. So, it, it, what have you been hearing from some of the people, in, you know, from China? Or, or is the situation with the virus worse? Far worse than what's been reported. Is is uh, you know, is there something am, else am, that uh, we don't know about? I am not in communication with anyone in China. 
Okay, well, the uh, just just to be the clear, Uyghur people. Well, or okay, like the Uyghur people. You know, uh, ha- have they been impacted by this virus? Uh, yeah, absolutely. They've been pulled out of concentration camps to fulfill the workers' roles in other parts of China. You can you can see pictures on social media of of a Chinese factory with all Turkic Muslims sitting in the seats. Is have have you heard anything about you know how that you know flattening the curve there is is going? Is it uh, you know still going up or is it leveling well, off some? With well, when you hear news that the crematoriums in uh, Wuhan have been operating 24 hours a day, some people are saying on, on social media that they're now incinerating them even before they die. They're just putting them in a body bag and throwing them in. Oh, um, I realize that's that's a bit harsh. Uh, and I... I'd, I'd I'd have to see proof um, before uh, I would believe something like that. But I'm not sure there's a single thing we can believe from the Chinese government. After all, they tried to blame it on the United States Army. They tried to say we're the ones that that did it. They lied to us about whether or not it was infectious, um, coupled with the 430,000 Chinese people that have come to the U.S. in the last three months, um, you just some you just begin to wonder. Uh, we we really need to reassess our position with China. They're not helping, especially when they threaten us. Okay, so um, what can what else can America do? So, you know, just, you know get, getting into a you know, actual fighting war doesn't help. It, it stop buying products, self-supporting the. Well, uh, uh, you know, boycott uh, you know, the children in the sweatshops and you know, that kind of thing. That sh- should have already been been happening. The 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 people in charge here in the United States who knew that that was going on um, that the, they should go to jail if they knew that that child labor or slave labor was being used to create their goods that they were making money off in they were making money off of and becoming rich off the suffering of others is that they need to be in jail. I'm sorry. I'm a bit off the, off the topic. 
but but you know when you stop to think about it, it's very much like the concentration camps in World War Two. Even the towns that were there ignored the fact that there was a concentration camp there. You know, they they turned a blind eye to it because they didn't want to get involved or be in, or or you know or were being sent to one or, too. Or, or be shot, yeah. Yeah. So, so so you have you know a huge population at risk, and there's you know I'm not going to say there's no well, way to do it, but I it's 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 a very delicate matter and. Without well, getting I mean, into just, just, a war. But my employer uh, forbids me to say. My employer, who is not identified, uh, has told me I'm not allowed to say boycott China and Chinese goods. Oh, well, but since they're not identified. Say, well, no, you should not say that. Then you should not say boycott Chinese goods because you know that would be wrong. But you know, Absolutely. I could say it. You know, boycott Chinese okay. goods. Yeah. <laughs> but but in, in right. addition to the Uyghur, um, they're they're wiping out their language. They're not allowed to to speak their uh, native tongue. Their graveyards are being bulldozed. Their mosques are being torn down. Their neighborhoods are being torn down, and new Chinese. Uh, style buildings are being built, and it's just not They're being erased. It's not erased, but it's just not yeah. the Uyghur. It's that they're they're the Kazakh, Kyrgyz. Uh, you also have the Mongolians that in in southern Mongolia, who have you know they have centuries of their own history and culture that is being erased. And you look at, at Tibet mm-hmm. that is being uh, destroyed, the, the destruction of the monasteries. The, the, their reincarnate lamas have to be selected by the Chinese Communist Party who are avowed atheists. And I, I can't be the only person that sees something wrong with that. Well, there, there. Yeah, The Dalai Lama has been in exile for 60 years or 70 years or more. He, Since um, 1959. Okay. Um, he was once but, asked who was his, his um, the person that influenced his spiritual development the most. And he said, without a hesitation, it was those that chased us out of Tibet. And and they looked at him and said, are you crazy? He said, they taught me forgiveness, love, compassion, and patience. Now, if everybody could respond that way, something good might happen. But I don't think that's going to happen. There aren't, around, there aren't a lot like him around. Well, I'm I'm not advocating a, a shooting war. I'm not advocating us attacking or being belligerent at all. Um, the the Chinese people, when they wake up, as they did 
in Tiananmen Square or the or in Hong Kong. Uh-huh. Um, there'll be a reckoning. I think you're right. I think it's got to come from within their country, but certainly we can we can help that along by not supporting their country. So, you know, there's a, there's a lot. I think all of us have to really wake up to a great degree. And so many people of us have been so apathetic and not paid attention to what was going on until suddenly everything got got messed up and we had to stop and take a good look at at where we were, how we were living our life, and how we were how we were impacting other people's lives as well. So I'm horrified at the amount of death that has gone on. Um, I'm just, it breaks my heart. But at the same time, it gives everyone a chance to to re-evaluate their own understanding as to how they're living their life and what they're doing and how they're affecting other people. And by having to spend so much time together oftentimes without you know the electronics being babysitters it gives us a chance to learn to communicate to learn to function as a unit a family unit together so so in that way this has been a good experience um i'm horrified that it took this kind of a thing for it to happen but but i'm really glad that it is happening that people are becoming more communicative. I, I know that since this has happened, I've talked to a lot of people that I haven't talked to in a very long time, just checking and making sure they're okay. And you're reestablishing a network of communication that that hasn't been there. You know, there's something about, you know, a sentence that doesn't even have words in it, just emojis, that is not saying I love you to someone. Picking up the phone and talking to them does, though. So mm-hmm. I, I think I think we've all learned, uh, I hope we've all learned a lot from this. I know I certainly have benefited greatly from it, but, you know, maybe maybe in time we'll find that this has not been a wasted effort, that, that those who have passed away did it for a good reason. It's very much like 9-11, those people that died. It, it, of course, a war did start, but but we learned a lot from it all. So it's just I'm so sick of hearing about deaths and everything on the news. It's just awful. I digress. Well, one wonders why they uh, don't talk about the people who recovered. They they focus on the death and the new cases, and they don't talk about the people who recovered. Well, you've got a very good point, because there are a lot. Right, and... and, why are they pushing? Why are they pushing uh, the negativity? Because fear um, sells. I understand we. Hmm? Fear sells. Yes, absolutely. You know, make make people fearful, and you know, you get their attention. Unfortunately. Well, uh, Jack, a lot of what you said. Um, is just very reminiscent of 1984 and 
you know, I'm sure most of the audience uh, is aware of that novel, but you know, I just hope that we, you know, there'll be some Winston Smiths that will emerge from this and make um, this world a better place. You know, before they put the rat cage on your head. Mm-hmm. And there, you know, I, you know, there, you know, I've been dealing with, uh, you know, a few people who, who um, have been doing living room concerts um, because they can't, you know, they don't have an audience, uh, paying audience, but, uh, there are a lot of people who have become very creative with social media to, you know, still have a presence, you know, connect with an audience, and, you know, I'm sure they're hoping to sell a few CDs, but, with social media, it is you know, possible to keep connecting with other like-minded people to uh, bring change. You know, that's a another positive aspect from this you know, uh, national lockdown is you know, the creative ways people are using social media. Like even this show uh, became something else, which, which is fine. But um, I'm 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 glad uh, we've been able to use the Nightlight Forum to talk about uh, positive ways to change the world. Well, I'm all for that. And Jack, we have oh, uh, just just under twenty minutes left. What 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 are you know, some things you're working on with your my hyphen dot com website? You know, you have those really interesting uh, lectures and videos you have on. On the mm-hmm. website, right? Those are, uh, yeah. I've got a YouTube channel too. Um, I've, I've been focusing more on my blog, and and providing. People send me things, trying to prove uh, that Moo existed, or they or they send me emails, and I'm I'm not against them uh, sending me this information, but it, it provides me the opportunity to be able to. Um, look at the other side uh, to, to examine what they're saying and then but just go a little bit further to see what they're not what the whatever they sent me didn't say i mean for instance uh well, i keep talking about the uyghur empire if J- james didn't say any of the truth about the great uyghur empire but if he had you would have known immediately that his version was wrong 
And so sometimes when you get these emails and there's the suggestion that, for instance, um, Percy Tate Griffith's daughter, uh, I was in correspondence with her, and she was also writing and picked up a piece about these columns that were found off the coast of Peru. Now, I wrote a, a recent blog article about it, a posting. And the fact is is that it was uh, 1967 that they saw these. And at first, they started the, the coverage of it about this little tiny sea creature that they were finding deep in the, in the ocean depths. I guess that didn't cause enough furor or, or hoopla. So they, they started mentioning about the supposed columns with with weird writing on them that they that they saw at the bottom 6000 feet under the ocean surface well yeah after you know this many years you would you would think that if there was something to it somebody would have gone and actually done something to to either prove or disprove but i imagine that if they had gone and disproved it, that it would not have had the coverage of if if they did find columns with with ancient writing on them, with with actual evidence. So essentially, that's the direction I'm going with with uh, my dash mu to tell the to to look at uh, the various proofs that that people think are a proof. And and just tell the truth about it, provide both sides of the story, and let people make up their own minds. Okay. So, it, uh, do you think you're going to be doing uh, these? Uh, you know, new research for a long time. Are you in it for the long run? I I'm going to do it occasionally. I've uh have some other projects I have in mind um that I'm going to be pursuing. But yes, I'm gonna, I'll I'll be doing an occasional blog posting from here once in a while. As stuff comes up as I as you know, as more information becomes available to me. I like I said I do appreciate it when people do send me materials. Um, and and uh, it provides me the opportunity to to examine it and put it in proper context. Okay. You know, um, I like to. I think both both of your books. I, I enjoy reading both your books, and you have also the uh, Stones of Moo uh, that wasn't um, on the agenda. And be glad to cover that another time. But it, 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 are are those uh, stones um, connected to the Nicole uh, tablets or? Is that just a completely different topic? Well, the, the 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 book is the Stone Tablets of Mu, and essentially it covered uh, 
a uh, a book that my well more more of a brochure that my great grandfather uh, wrote uh, in 1927 it was called Copies of Stone Tablets Found by William Niven at Santiago Ahuzacla near Mexico City, and he um, William Niven did find 2,600 tablets in Mexico City. The veracity uh, of some of the tablets has been questioned. Uh, for instance, uh, in some places they're identified as having um, been created out of very tough granite or other really tough um, I don't know um, materials, rocks and I was actually interacted with uh, one of the one of his grand great grandsons and he sent me one and essentially it's pumice something that I could pick up off the ground I could pick up a piece of pumice off the ground and make this tablet with a kitchen knife or or a pen um just scraping it out and mm-hmm. it has been suggested uh by Dr. Jeb Card of the University of Miami in Ohio that who has examined quite a few of these and it's covered in his book I guess Spooky Archaeology that most many of these might be uh, just something that somebody found in their yard or said they found in their yard and handed to uh, William Niven, or that when that his digs were seeded prior to his arrival, and so the veracity of some of of the tablets is in question. But James did use the discovery of these tablets. I mean, they weren't in his 1926 book, uh, Lost Continent of Boo, Motherland of Men. He only showed four of the tablets, and only two of them were interpreted. His 1931 book, Lost Continent of Moo, Motherland, no, lost, it was just the Lost Continent of Moo. He included 69 references to Niven's tablets, and all of a sudden everything turned to the Niven tablets were part of the Nicol Brotherhood, uh, the repository of the Nicol Brotherhood, and and he was the only person that could decipher them. Okay, so that goes back to you, you just mentioned uh, Doctor Card. Uh, from the University of Miami in Ohio, and you have a lengthy video with him, and he does, in that hour-long discussion, there is a section where he talks about how to spot a hoaxer and mm-hmm. yeah, it, 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 yeah, you know, he he mentions uh, you know like you know, maybe they just have one video on a YouTube channel or 
they're, they're the only ones that have seen the artifact. Um, it sounds like he, he, he's uh, uh, you know, de- describing James as well. Yes. And Madame Blavatsky and... And I can name off other people, but I don't want the nasty emails. But um, there, there's uh, William. Uh, you just mentioned uh, William Niven in uh, during his uh, Mexico uh, explorations, and you know, just uh, was outside of Mexico City, and he, you know supposedly found all this stuff and what he he was um friends with uh James so what was I, I were they have working no in tandem oh, I thought they were uh, I have uh, no evidence they, I have no evidence that they ever met each other uh I do have evidence that they corresponded okay as far as um, the discovery of the tablets happened before uh, James and Niven interacted, communicated, or anything. So uh, as far as the tablets uh, being manufactured for James, uh, that that didn't happen. And I'm... I'm and I, I would never say that Mr. Niven uh, was aware was aware of b- being hoaxed. I'm not sure he he would not have gone. I don't believe he would have gone ahead looking at at his entire life and the way he lived his life. I don't believe that he would have uh, sanctioned hoaxing people. Okay, so, so so they were just uh, correspondents and were uh, just uh, explaining. William was explaining what he he was uh, uh, discovering during his digs. That was that how the relationship? Well, after formed? he actually after they were found. He interacted with with James, and James picked up one of his newspaper articles that that uh, was written by William Niven, and included as a, included it as a chapter in uh, lifting the veil on the lost continent of Mu and the lost continent of Mu. I'm sorry, I said that wrong. That's the lost continent of Mu, motherland of men, and. The Lost Continent of Mu, the 26 and the 31 books, and so after the after Mr. Niven had read what James included in his book, he they started a correspondence. So all the tablets had already been found, but James appeared to be the only individual who was able to decipher them, other than than one gentleman. Um, in in the British Islands. Did, did he, in the UK. Uh, okay, did, and did, did the uh, uh, 
a British gentleman uh, arrived at the same translation, or were they completely different? Negative. Uh, I believe he said his head that the the figure was related to the Jupiter, the the god of you know, the it was Jupiter and different things to go with a different mythology. Hmm. Okay. okay. Uh, this. Uh, cra- uh, cra- crazy stuff, and uh, you know, uh, you know, we're down to about two, two minutes. Um, yeah, this has been a fascinating discussion. Get, straightening out a lot of misconceptions and myths and fables, and I don't know, maybe there is some information in there. You know. I had an idea about the Kennewick man, but uh, uh, you know we can save that for another time. But uh, uh, Jack, as we uh, start winding down the show, uh, do, you, do you have anything you want to uh, website you want to plug? Uh, ho- hopefully, uh, you, you have some upcoming appearances later this summer. Do you, do you have any? You know, here's a some time for you to plug whatever whatever you want to discuss. Well, well my website is my-moo.com or you can find me at jack.churchward.com and uh, I don't get invited to many interviews anymore because <laughs> they usually ask me up front what my thought is. Uh, how my what my thinking about my great grandfather is, and as soon as they hear that it doesn't match their opinion, I am disinvited, Aww. or their invitation never gets sent. So I'm I, I'm very thankful that I'm able to to say something in this form. Thank you. Well, thank you, Jack. Uh, it was an enlightening show. Appreciate it. And Bar- Barbara, you want to wrap up things? Sure if there's will. one thing I'd like to say. Whoops. Go ahead. Whoops. Sorry, Jack. If there's Go one ahead. thing I'd like to say, if there's one thing I'd like to say, um, my great grandfather thought that we were all we're all the same family. So please treat everybody this, as you would wish to be treated. And thank you again. Thank you, and those are great parting words. Um, thank you, everybody, for listening. I'm sure that, that you're um, reeling with some of this information, and that's appropriate. This is meant to make you think, and hopefully you will. And the show will be up on YouTube t- tomorrow um, before noon. Thanks for joining us. We so appreciate your time. Good night now. <laughs>